Hi, welcome to the Movie Nuts Podcast. I am your host, Rob Scheib, and we are continuing to celebrate, as we did with the first podcast involving The Exorcist, scary, scary Halloween movies for this year. Uh, Another one of my all-time favorites that I saw in a giant screen years ago and still remains another extra scary movie I'm discussing with our returning guest. Welcome, Christy, for time number two, please. What up, everybody? Movie Nuts. We are going to be talking today about Ridley Scott's 1979 horror movie wrapped up in a big science fiction cocoon, no pun intended, (laughs) called Alien. I'm assuming, again, for most people that I'm talking to, you have seen this. If you have not, and you love movies that will scare the crap out of you, this is a pretty fine choice. Wouldn't you agree? Uh, Yeah, it scared the bejesus out of me, and I watched it. I rewatched it this morning. I've already seen it like a thousand times. It was broad daylight, sitting on my couch. You know, it, it, there, there's nothing scary going on whatsoever. And yet, yeah, it was a little... There was a couple jumpy jet moments for me, and I even knew it was going to happen. Well, it's funny because uh, even though it takes place on a, on a spaceship and all of that, it's really just an old-fashioned gothic horror story. It's the yes. monster in a house. But it comes it up... It is with, the monster in, in, the in a very big house. It gets rid of the one problem, of course, with all monster in the house movies, which is, well, if the monster's in the house, why don't you just go ahead and leave the house? Because they can't. It's space. They'll suffocate and shit. Well, they have to... Yeah, they only... You can't leave a spaceship that is however many parsecs away from your home planet. Well, they're halfway home. I'm going to jump ahead. I, they, they Several times they say, we are halfway to Earth. But we don't know where they're at, so halfway feels like, you know, a long way. Oh, yeah. They're, they're months from getting back. They have to go back. Anyway, the movie opens with... Uh, this, this spacecraft, which is towing several gazillion tons of mineral ore uh, back to Earth, and the crew is awakened from some sort of hypersleep by a distress signal. And under the uh, rules of international hauling of bazillion tons of mineral ore stuff, when they get a distress signal that indicates possible life, they have to go investigate it, even though they're only six basically blue-collar people. It's like, imagine... There's like a science officer and a captain and a couple of people that feel important and then two schleps that are probably union. Basically, though, it's a big tugboat being told to go investigate a remote island in the middle of the ocean. They don't have any actual rescue capacity. No, they don't. But And I want to back up for a minute because you said something very interesting. You said under the international laws on mining or whatever it might suppose, I didn't take it to be like some kind of international law. I just watched it, and I got the impression that it was the company's policy that you had to do that, and that if you didn't want to do that, you forfeited your shares. Right, you lose your money. You lose your money. So it's not, you know, society and shit that's making them stop. It's the man. It's the the corporation. Well, and if you watch the ongoing Alien movies, the company, quote-unquote, becomes a more significant player. Although in this one... It is a significant player. The influence of the company is is part of, of the whole circumstance. Actually, then my first and biggest comment is is that this movie, what always strikes me, are that there are two monsters, not one. And they're perpetually fighting two monsters. Because I think that the company, the mining company, is just as big of a monster as the slimy, you know, 
mucusy alien that's got like jaws within jaws within jaws, which is really creepy. Well, there's there's no question that 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 comes directly to light later on when finally they're able to access the the controlling computer. A secret order seven thirty nine. Right, mother. Um, or special order. Mother, special order nine thirty seven. Oh, right, seven thirty nine, um, nine thirty seven. Which is basically obtain this alien crew expendable. Um, crew is expendable. What a chilling message that flashes across the screen. And it does it word by word. Yeah. It's pretty nice, but not so slow it's annoying. Right. So at any rate, uh, the distress signal comes. The crew lands on this small, nasty, freezing cold temperature planet based on this distress signal and ends up in a sequence of really creepy, nasty events with an intruder on board. An intruder that is a, oh, I don't know, ends up being a seven or eight foot tall, as Christy said, multiple-jawed, slimy, killing machine. Yes. Yes, with acid for blood. We can't overlook the acid for blood. It is a nice touch. It's a very, very nice touch. They find that out early on. No, man, I mean, but I want to talk about, you know, they build... I want to talk about the fact that this was really billed as a space movie. And I think when people went to see it, they went to see it first and foremost as a space movie. But it really, really, I mean, you know, just like any horror movie could be set. I don't care if it's a stupid camp in the woods or, you know, the ship. I mean, it's a horror movie. The background is incidental. Or the background is just another character in the story. How about that? Right. Well, if... One of the things I think that's most interesting about it in that context is up till that time, generally, space was either inhabited by military people or sort of ultra-scientific 2001 people. This is blue-collar space. Yeah. These, these are just people performing a job. I don't get paid enough right? to do this kind of, you know. Right, thrust into this situation with this giant monster thing. So this 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 is... Uh, and I think it's best exemplified when they're trying to fix the ship and they go down into the bowels of it. Yes. It's dirty and there's rusty stuff and there's water spilling. It looks like the bowels of just any old any old ship, you know, on Earth. It's basically nothing fancy, nothing special. No. But again, because they're on a spaceship a long way from home, when the monster gets in the house, there ain't no leaving the house. Nope. Nope, 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 nope. But I like this movie has classic horror things it does you know classic horror things you know including giving us several moments that are meant to be a you know mini scream like you know jump in my seat moment when the the first dude that had the alien when when the egg first went and opened up and he kind of there's that pause that suspenseful pause and then he leans over and then boom you know jump in your seat it, it adheres to his face you know, or his yeah, the, the, the face hugger, as it were. Yes, or when they're looking for when the face hugger left him, and they're all walking around the room, and uh, and Sigourney Weaver's character uh, R- R- Riley Ripley, 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 right, Ripley, what falls dead on her shoulder? You know, of course, face hugger. But I mean, those are moments that are like classic oh, jumps that you look for. You know, well, it's got, in it's, the horror movies, it's got the nice combination, and and I've always been one to say that that there's a, a definitive difference. Between horror and terror, and the best movies have a, have both. Terror being just stuff that makes you jump, a la yeah. the thing that falls out of the ceiling and lands on her on her shoulder. But when you combine that 
and this movie is full of these kind of these kind of things where you start really reaching inside people to a disturbing extent that bothers them on a fundamental level. Yeah. Uh, this movie is full of that because when the thing jumps out on him and lands on his face, it's basically smothering him. Yes. Which is very, very visceral. And then, of course, there's the legendary scene where we find out what happens after it sits on your oh, face for a while. Oh, yeah. And it lays a seed inside of poor Kane and one of the great, great shock terror oh. scenes ever. And I have to tell you, I have seen that scene so many times. I know exactly what's going to happen. And even this morning, once he started like doing a little bit of twitching the and, yeah. and, the, and his convulsions started at the table, I had to turn away. I had to get up and walk away. I was like, oh, I know what happens. I don't need to see that. It's, it's terrible. It's one of the great scenes ever. It And it's so awful. Uh, and there's a great story about that, actually. They had filmed it a couple of times and Ridley Scott, the director, didn't like the reactions of all the crew, so they set up one of the nozzles that squirts blood when the thing comes out yeah. of William Hurt's chest, or sorry, John Hurt's chest, to squirt right at, at Veronica Cartwright, so she would squeal oh. and noise, and she had no idea it was coming. Yes. So they set one of the blood sprayers just to shoot her, so she would go eh, like she did to get the extra bonus yes. reaction, as if, of course, she actually watched this worm thing burst out of the chest. Of yeah, because it was pretty nasty. But it's again. The idea that something can sort of get inside you and implant something like that and it bursts out of your chest is is distressing on a level beyond the shock of it. That the idea that you can you know that you can be exposed that way, in, in the way that the alien constantly takes people, yes, with no trace. And by the way, again, another classic horror, you know, thing. Um, Many of our early victims get picked off when they're all by oh, themselves. Uh, oh, no, no. You two continue on. I'll go get the kitty cat so that we can put him in a box so we don't get readings on him again. Oh, no, no, no. Let me check out the tunnel. You first. Yep. You all stay up here. You know, and all, it's just like every other horror movie. What happens when you're alone? Yep. Well, and, you die. And that's, that's probably... The second most most tough scene of the of it is they eventually decide the alien is crawling through their ventilation shaft. So the yeah. captain, of course, is going to go in there with the mini flamethrower and chase the alien out. He's going to flush <clears> it <throat> to some people who are laying in wait. Yep, and he goes into these dark, closed, drippy, slimy shafts. Which again, by himself. it's like this movie steampunk before we knew what steampunk was. Almost, yeah, it, it in very a much is. Sense. And of course, they're minus trying the to minus the corsets, minus the corsets, and the top hats, and the top hats. Um, and they're trying to track the creature to figure out how to tell him if it's close or if it's if it's yeah. far or where it is. I remember when they lost the reading altogether. We right. don't know where it is. Of course, which takes on a little more meaning when you realize that Ash, the science officer, designed yes. the motion trackers and turns yes. out he's working for the company. Oh, yeah, that's but, a real kick in the nuts. But it's a great scene where, where Captain Dallas, played by Tom Skerritt, goes crawling through these darkened tunnels. Of course, the moment, like in any good horror movie, the moment this plan is suggested, you know, you go, oh, no, don't do that. Don't, don't, but, don't, don't. But again, a, a, a good horror movie can can work on both ends of that, which is at once your your first reaction is to say, this is the worst plan ever. But then when they go ahead and do it, 
you don't hold it against them as much as you think, oh, my God, I can't imagine what's going to happen here. Yeah, no, you really don't. It's like you forgive them immediately. Oh, worst plan ever. But I forgive you because I'm so scared on your behalf. Which is wonderfully parodied in that one commercial uh, recently. Oh, I love the, it. The, the people what? come running out of the woods. Yeah. And, Why don't we just get in the running car? Are you out of your, your mind? mind? Let's they, hide over there underneath the right, In the garage with objects. all the chainsaws. And yeah. Let's go hide in the graveyard. Good idea. Which is very much... What this plan sounds like, but but uh, all, all of the all of their plans to eradicate this make it clear that they are way 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 in over their head with this thing, and then of course there comes the revelation that Ash the science officer yes. is essentially in cahoots with it. Which, by the way, that this is the this is the you know jerk that. When Ripley was holding the policy, I'm sorry, you're going to stay in quarantine. I am not opening the hangar door. I am not allowing you onto the ship. We don't know what that is, and we could all die. If you were here, you too would keep me from coming in. And she is a badass. She's not letting him in. It's Ash, the science officer, that actually, who is supposed to report to her. She is his superior officer in this ship structure. He totally... You know, yeah. is insubordinate and opens that door and 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 lets it in to ultimately lets again it in effect what the company has sent him. And on. again, my whole point about the monsters: there's you know, there's not one monster, there's two. And frankly, I'm not sure which monster is scarier. Well, in this one, one is the instrument of the other. Yes, yes. So at any rate, uh, it's 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 one that if again you're lucky enough to get a chance to see it on the big screen. Oh. It's really it's really intimidating, and it has a very very sparse but effective film score. And frankly, I think you should also watch it in, in the dark. Well, if you have to watch it at home. Yeah, yeah. It's it's a first of all, it's a very dark movie physically. Yes. All of all of the ship, and again, very much like the bowels of an oil tanker or something. Yeah, the ship is mostly seemingly in industrial areas with a very small bridge where they fly everything and the rest of it is very claustrophobic you know yeah it's an ideal place for a giant monster to stalk six people well and frankly what's intriguing to me you know is you know especially from a science side of things you know they really do rob said over and over again that the bowels of this spaceship feels and looks like a the bowels of a regular, you know, like oil tanker or other big type of ship like this. And it's interesting he says that because they even on several scenes reinforce that parallelism because at one point they're in an area in which it's this cavernous room and all this equipment and there's water just profusely dripping down from the ceiling. Now you have to think about this. You're out in fucking space. It's not like you can run into the lake and pump out more water. They Water is life. I mean, these people fucking die with that water. Things don't run with that water on the ship. So water is very precious. The idea that they've got something going in there, the water's just cavalierly dripping down and evaporating out and doing things is absolutely ludicrous in space. But it looks and feels like something that might be in a drippy old, like, tin can of an oil tanker or something. Yeah, there, there's a constant feeling about the ship and the circumstances that they're not safe. Most most space films, the ship is ultra white and chrome and clean and invulnerable, and unless it's attacked. But this ship looks like a rusty old tanker. Except for the weird room where they talk to Mother, which is the name of the computer, which, sidebar, creepy. Right. Well, yes. I mean, Mo- creepy. Mother is apparently an endless sequence of white Christmas lights 
attached to walls. Yes, but, but like anyway. white, white, like white panels with white lights. Now, here's the other thing: is is in mother, as far as I can figure out, it's no fucking any help. Oh, sorry about that, fun. Um, is that no, no help whatsoever? Because they ask mother twelve thousand questions every time. Mother goes, I don't know, I, I don't know. Well, I don't know, and, and you can realistically once you find out what the company has done you can question whether or not absolutely mother, mother is, is obviously loyal to the company right. is mother capable of telling them or has mother been told not to help them but all i know is every question they pose to mother it comes back with i do not have enough data i cannot compile i do not know which what is actually also the same thing that ash tells them repeatedly as, yes. as the movie film gets through yes well ultimately well this, ash also is a machine yes he is a robot with apparently either milk or milk of magnesia for blood and by the way there's an awesome scene that is so creepy in which it's just his head and they kind of get it upright and they they plug it back in plug it back in so and there's all the white crud is all over him and you know the 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 lasting effect of this movie besides being one of the great horror movies ever is that this really launched is it it launched the career of sigourney weaver yeah uh and created a, a little bit of an, unwill, an unwittingly significant role in the idea of, of women no longer being shrinking violets in horror movies because, in fact, she's she's the third officer aboard ship. So she's very much a middle, uh, middle yes. person in the food chain. But ultimately, she's uh, a badass. She, she is a badass. And she prevails and she survives and she's as tough as nails. And eventually she, she succeeds in defeating the alien, which again, I assume I'm not giving anything away. But this was a pretty significant role given the time this this film was made, and she carries it off wonderfully. And frankly, this movie put Ridley Scott on the map. Yeah, it was it was uh, an atmospheric type of a movie, which Scott is famous for. And up till this time, he had only made a couple of other movies, The Reavers, and I think a few others. Have you even seen The Reavers? I haven't. I've seen The Reavers. Of course you have. Uh, of course I have. Um, but yes, it, it, it established Ridley Scott stylistically uh, in, as part of a, a particular subgenre where Blade Runner and, and he mean, would Blade make Runner was other, good. He would make other films that were sort of unmistakably in this the future isn't all glossy and yes. glimmery type of a thing. And this yeah, this one he is the start himself, of it. I think. Well and is scared for the future. He certainly likes to present a future that isn't terribly optimistic. Yeah, seriously. I think he's suicidal. Well, his brother did do a job oh, on himself. Tony Scott, who made oh, a lot that's more. Unfortunate. Yeah, his brother made much more mainstream movies. Uh, True Romance, Top Gun, oh, Days really? of Thunder. Really? Yeah, yeah several years ago, jumped off a. A bridge, I believe, oh which was uh, well. At any rate, that is. Well, I, I don't know that he's suicidal. I just mean that his movies very much are, you know, that dark, um, machinish, you know, uh, uh, rise of the machine type of, you know, gothic, futuristic movie. You know, well, is very, him. It's his hallmark. Well, they're, yeah, they're they're very dark, and then uh, when James Cameron picks up this theme to make the sequel, Aliens. He then sort of picked up and meshed this this vision of the future with his Terminator films, uh, and and played it out to the entire Big Brother, the Whalen Utani Corporation, Cyberdyne. Yeah, James Cameron is the Terminator in Terminator Two. Titanic guy made Terminator. Uh huh. And I, I just yeah, did and then, that. then he followed that up with Aliens, and then he matches 
the implications of the company yeah. in, into both of them. So Cameron um, picked up on that. But yeah, Rid- Ridley Scott went through the 70s and 80s as the king of the future is Why not Why didn't Ridley exciting. Scott do the second one? Uh, I don't know, but I'm kind of glad he didn't because we'll save that for a second time. But that's a pure actioner compared to the, the horror background of Alien. Uh, the only way to make a sequel to it that was successful seems to have been to have gone Diverge. away from it. Uh, which, and, uh, Alien, what we're saying is Aliens, plural, isn't yes. really a horror movie in the same no, sense it's, that it's, Alien is. it's a sci-fi adventure movie, and yes. it's another great movie. That's a, that, But a different genre. Oh, yeah. But that's a heart stopper. And again, uh, mm-hmm. Ripley, who never actually gets a first name in any of the movies until the later ones, it should be forgotten. But her first name is Ellen, if you see it in the outtakes of Aliens again, is the constant throughout these movies as the one who gets it. Yeah. Uh, and it's, it's, it's really kind of created the staple um, Sigourney Weaver's strong female mm-hmm. character because even in Aliens, when it's gun-toting, whatever, uh, they take a long time to get her to the point at which she would she has to act affirmatively, but she's strong-willed and strong-minded and a significant female film character, yeah. really, as, as we turned into the 80s and it began to be okay for strong female characters to get written. Anyway, to sum it all up, if you haven't spent two hours watching Alien and you'd like a movie that'll paste you to the back of your seat for most of it... Alien. That's, that's one. And, for the record, I just want to ask a question of the group. I'd be curious, now that we've talked about the fact that Alien is in a, the horror genre and Aliens is more the sci-fi action movie. Uh, I'm dying to know if anyone can think of any other good examples of sequels to a mo- sequels in which it was in a, the sequel was in a different genre than the original. That, that moves on from the original concept. Yeah, that changes genres. Um, that, see, I think that's an interesting question for the movie nets. Godfather be 1 and 2 one. are crime drama, and Godfather 3 is a giant slag heap of crap. <laughs> that's a different genre. No, we don't count just crap. Oh, uh, Highlander 1 went from a sword fantasy to Highlander 2 being a giant steaming pile of sci-fi crap. Does that count? Well, the crap still. Just because it's well, bad doesn't mean it's a different genre. I guess my, you know, I, I think of crap as its own genre. And a lot of sequels have changed genres to crap. Yes. But if we, if in this particular question we don't count crap as, that should be a whole other episode of like, yeah, whether we might get one of our other friends to talk about sequels that are awful because that's one of his pet peeves. So we'll have oh, to oh, I know that. who you're talking about. Yeah, and uh, actually, I would love to hear him wax poetic because there are there are in truth uh, four or five sequels that are on the all time list of movies that should have never been made. Actually, and are in some forgotten. ways, the kind, in some ways, you. I would think that the person who you want to talk about would almost advocate for a law, to be a law, to ban all sequels. My favorite version of those, by the way, is that there are some sequels so terrible that they pick up the movies again and pretend that one was never made. Yes, yes. Where they go, you know what? We're going to pretend like it was never made. We're going to ignore every character and every storyline right. brought up there. And movie number three is going to pick up the end of movie number one. Right. I mean, that's like the ultimate indictment <laughs> when they make the third one of a movie 
And even the yes. third one pretends the second one doesn't exist. Yes. Which, I, I, that which is, has happened, by the way. Again, that'd be a great another episode, too. We're just coming up with great ideas for future episodes. Well, there we go. Well, thanks for listening again. And again, we are available now on iTunes, like we're somebody. And we're part of the Facebook close group, The Movie Nuts. So if you're interested in joining, please ask. I am the administrator. And again... We will be back for another podcast soon, talking more scary, more Halloween things before the end of October is out. Bye-bye.